welcome everybody. You are listening to the Bleeding Big Blue Podcast. Alex Skyvich Project back again. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. Remember, our podcasts are available on Podbean, Spotify, YouTube, Apple Podcasts, and Google Play. Follow our social media pages, and most notably our Twitter at Bleeding Big Blue Podcast. Before we get into today's topic, which happens to be the 2020 draft class's impact on the upcoming 2020 season, I will be doing obviously this podcast episode and then I'll probably do a pre-recorded one for Tuesday because on Tuesday I will be away so you'll probably get a pre-recorded one based on another different topic and if you're not follow my Twitter or my Instagram I will be providing updates there some other updates as well as far as content goes I will be probably going outside of Giants when it comes to the next couple podcasts or at least one or two of them going to NFL rules talking about Madden 20 in a little bit and some improvements it needs to make uh one of my least favorite NFL rules probably would stand to be the seven player inactive rule I'll break that down in another video but let's get right into the subject first draft pick Andrew Thomas now I didn't go fully into all these draft picks I know I think it was probably into a YouTube video that I put you know just my first thoughts on all the draft picks whether it be round one, round two, I think I did all of them that way. But we're going to go fully into mostly what these draft picks could have as far as an impact goes on the 2020 season. Now, everybody debates the Andrew Thomas pick a lot, whether he should have been taken at like 11 or if they would have traded back or somewhere in the teens or they should have just selected somebody else at fourth overall. Now, he faced the best competition in college, and he is likely to replace Nate Solder in the near future if nothing bad happens. Solder was obviously brought in 2018 to replace Eric Flowers' left tackle, signed to a 40-year, $62 million contract. He's been everything but worthy of that amount. Gave up 18 sacks in two years with the Giants. That actually might be a little, I think it actually might be 19 sacks. That's more than Eric Flowers gave up in his four years in New York, but... Also, Eric Flowers gave up like someone like a hundred over a hundred pressures in his years in New York. But as far as sacks go, Nate Solder gave up more in two than Eric Flowers in four. Solder gave up fifty-seven pressures, forced Daniel Jones to fumble a lot. Whether it be Jones' fault or Solder's fault, there was a problem there. They played off each other. They didn't know if you know. Let's say Jones. You know he wasn't sure. Sometimes if he got the right amount of protection from Solder, would focus on that and not focus on ball security and then would get, you know, would have the ball taken away from him and possibly be the defense's ball. Now on Solder's side, he would be too anxious of whether Daniel Jones was secure with the ball or not. So Solder was focusing on that and, you know, he never came out and said that he was playing off Daniel Jones or Solder was playing off uh, Jones or Jones was playing off Solder but either way it kind of seems that way and that's not really something that you want to have in the future so they replaced him with Andrew Thomas now Thomas faced the best competition in college football other than Jedrick Wills he went to college at the University of Georgia started right tackle at his first year at Georgia only 18 19 years old then he moved to left tackle for the next two seasons and then obviously drafted by the Giants. Now, depending on his readiness, he will have to play day one, whether it be the right tackle or the left tackle position. A lot of people say, leave him at right tackle, leave him against the weaker rusher, 
and then move him to the power tackle side, which is the left tackle side. And then you have people who say, why did we draft him just for developing? Just move him to left tackle already and put Solder at right tackle. That's a lot of people who take that view and the opposite view as well. A lot of people say, you need to sit the tackle year one. You don't. I don't think you need to do that because he was drafted fourth overall. He needs to play and he needs to face the experience and get the experience in order to be a part of this future. Now, Cameron Fleming is not going to take his job, in my opinion, unless he gets injured because, well... Cameron Fleming was more of depth signing and had familiarity with Jason Garrett and Mark Colombo. Now, as I said before, if Thomas was a late-round pick, you'd probably get Gates or Fleming starting over him. But if you really feel and if you feel confident enough in this draft pick and you invested in this fourth overall draft pick going high with this draft pick at fourth overall, he should be ready day one right tackle or left tackle. He is the left tackle of the future. Parrott is probably going to be put on the right side, but not day one because he was raw and he still is raw in his college film. So it's going to take time for him to develop. And a lot of people are saying, oh, take that uh, tackle that's coming out next year. I don't know the name of him, but I'll take the tackle of next year and leave Matt Parrott as a backup. Well, that would really be a waste of a third round pick, especially if you're trying to fix up the offensive line for the future because you could get Jamar Chase or somebody else with a good wide receiver that could replace Golden Tate because Golden Tate's in his 30s and he's not going to, I don't think, live out the four-year deal he signed. You know, he's in his 30s. He's coming out of his prime. He can still make plays, but again, we're focusing on the future. We're not focusing on the now. So you don't really want to, you know, add a piece to your offensive line when you tried already doing that the previous year and instead have to waste a pick on your offensive line. It's not really wasting a pick, but then again, you could get a wide receiver with that. That's why a lot of people argued oh jerry judy no no we we got andrew thomas we'll see how it works out i'm not saying he's going to be the best tackle in the league i'm not going to say he's being the worst tackle in the league but he's going to face some struggles no doubt about that second round draft pick 36 overall xavier mckinney out of alabama obviously maybe joe judge got some insight from nick saban you know their relationship but let me give you four names andrew thomas Darian Thompson, Curtis Riley, and Antoine Buffet. Those are the four Giants free safeties, one starting each year from 2016 to 2019. Every one of them had a weakness that changed the game in a minor way, but a bad way. Exit Antoine Buffet and enter Xavier McKinney. Buffet had his second year option declined and is now a free agent. He's probably going to retire, but then again, I don't know if any teams will actually go after him after the season he had. Yeah, you could look at PFF's grading, but then again, you have to look at the deep ball. He did not cover the deep ball well last year, and he was more of a box safety. But then, you know, James Betcher knew that because he worked with him in Arizona. Why do you keep placing him back deep? Julian Love could be back deep. You know, we saw that a little bit in the Bears game when he got an interception off Mitchell Trubisky. Yeah, it was a bad decision, but, you know... Julian Love was deep on that play. Better than Antoine Buffet. Now, a lot of people draw comparisons to Landon Collins because this man, Xavier McKinney, is a playmaker or was a playmaker in college for forcing turnovers and a big tackler in the secondary, especially when it came to in the box. With Patrick Graham's heavy use of DBs, McKinney would be a great fit for the system. Supposedly looking like if Patrick Graham doesn't change the system and doesn't rely upon another position group. So for the safety duo, kind of looks exciting. 
Jabril Peppers opposite Xavier McKinney. A lot of people overshadowed Jabril Peppers last year in some cases because of the playmaking. Yeah, he's playmaking, but you know he's got to do a little better in coverage. You also needed to see extended action from him. Then you have Xavier McKinney. Then you also have Julian Love. Will he go down to cornerback? Will he not go down to cornerback? That's something we have to see. And something that McKinney struggles with is apparently going the deep ball. So if Love or Jabril is not back deep, he might be going out deep depending on how Patrick Graham utilizes him. But he should be familiar with the weaknesses at some point because Joe Judge's motto when he had his first press conference was, we don't play to the weaknesses of players. We don't play to scheme fits. We play to the player's strengths. And one of his strengths is going in the box, tackling, playmaking, forcing fumbles, and getting some interceptions. Third round pick, 99th overall, Matt Peart, offensive tackle out of UConn. He was a mid-round pick, but he will not be an immediate impact. He is a developmental tackle in this situation. Peart is a developmental prospect and still raw product coming out of college, though the Giants picked him 99th overall. They probably didn't mean to get him into the action right away or else they would have probably taken a second offensive tackle at 36th but they probably like McKinney better and they probably want to give Pert time to develop plus you still have Nick Gates Solder is an option Fleming's an option now one of his advantages long arms which helps in a tackle's perspective you know getting out in the first punch one of his weaknesses is getting off the hips and getting to the rusher and his speed that seems to be one of the things he needs to work on. Will that be the issue in training camp? We'll see. Mark Colombo was brought over from the Cowboys. Really reworked that offensive line to one of the best in the league when it came to Jason Garrett's fit system. And now that Jason Garrett's system is here, hopefully we see an improvement from Pierre. But again, he's not going to be your day one right tackle. It's going to be Thomas or Solder. I don't think Fleming's going to start day one unless you have a Thomas injury, or a Solder injury. You could also see Nate Gates possibly compete with Nate Solder at right tackle, depending on their feeling on Thomas and Solder at the same time. Nate Gates could possibly steal another position, whether it be, you know, Solder left tackle or any other position, but I don't think he's taking left tackle. If there is a position to take, Thomas would be the left tackle, Solder would be the right tackle, and if Solder doesn't play well, Nate Gates would probably start there, and that would probably be your future offensive line a little bit, but you could have Gates move inside at guard or center, depending on how he plays and how he fits, which Shane Lemieux as well. We'll get into him. And also, Matt Peart, as I said. You know, you might see him later in the season, Matt Peart, but I don't think you're going to see him in the first 10 games. You'll probably have Solder Thomas or maybe even Cam Fleming starting there. Now, fourth round pick, Tornay Holmes, 110th overall odd Giants. Fans were really questionable with this pick because Nick Harris and Tyler Biadez were still on the board. Biadez would later get picked by the Cowboys, and I think Nick Harris went to the Browns. Now, anyway, could he be a roster impact? He could be an immediate impact, but might start out like Julian Love and Corey Ballantyne did last season on special teams. The Giants had a lot of misfits at the slot cornerback position last season. Corey Ballantyne was one. Sam Beal was one. Grant Haley was one. Grant Haley started off the season in the slot, didn't do well. Ballantyne came in after that 
Beal and Haley rotated in that position, but the production was never good or at least average. The Giants were 30th when it came to covering last season in the secondary. So the Giants drafted McKinney in round two. How could this change, you, you ask? Well, they drafted McKinney in round two. If McKinney stays as the starting free safety and they keep Nate Ebner or whoever behind him, you could see Love moving down to corner position or maybe even the slot corner position, something he did at Notre Dame. Now, he hasn't really played much of corner since the preseason. Now, he moved up to free safety because of James Betcher. James Betcher's gone now. So, Love could be moving down, but could be a backup or rotational free safety, depending on how Patrick Graham feels about him. Now, what happens to the rest of the corners? In that slot corner position, you probably have Ballantyne, Haley, and Holmes competing. Beal, I see more of an outside competition because I think that however you put this DeAndre Baker situation, let's say he gets suspended or he doesn't get suspended and is off the team, you're going to need somebody for the first couple of games that's at the corner position on the outside, and Beal can do that or Ballantyne can do that, but it depends how, again, Patrick Graham sees these guys. Now, going back to what I said on my other podcast, I said, The players competing at slot corner also are competing for other positions, really. Corey Ballantyne and Darnay Holmes, they're competing for punt and kick returner. I think Darnay Holmes is a punt returner. I'm not sure. Ballantyne's really a kick returner. Haley, he doesn't really do much outside of that. He's a tackler. He could be a backup safety. Or he could be an undersized linebacker, which I really wouldn't recommend. But he's not good at covering, so... We can see him possibly be cut depending on how he plays this preseason if he turns it all around. But the focus here is on Darnay Holmes. If he can return kicks, great. But depending on his play, he might come in later in the season and might not have an impact right away because you might have somebody else there that's more ready than he is. You might have Julian Love or maybe some other corner beat him out and then slowly move in. Donnie Holmes. Fifth round pick. 150 overall. Shane Lemieux, the guard out of Oregon. Now, most likely this guy will not have an impact right away. Probably going to be on special teams blocking for kicks. But for right now, it's going to be that. In my opinion. I could be wrong. He could be ready. But, right now, you have Spencer Pulley at center and you have Kevin Zeitler at right guard. He has no NFL experience yet. He's going to need that. He's going to have to get some playing time later in the season. And right now, he's never played center. And Joe Judge has expressed, oh, we're going to cross-play Gates. We're going to cross-play Lemieux at center. He has not gotten NFL experience. Now, Gates is unlikely to start the season at center. Most likely, if he were to start the season, it'd probably be at like right tackle or maybe even guard. Shane Lemieux is not going to get in, in my opinion, until there's an injury. When there's an injury, he'll get in, and we'll see what happens. But both Nick Gates and Shane Lemieux have practiced snapping the ball, but it's not a game situation now. Spencer Pulley is not a long-term option at center, but also it's worthy to add that Kevin Zeitler is in his 30s and his retirement is not too far away. Now the Giants need a long-term center and a right guard to support Daniel Jones. Not saying you have to cut Kevin Zeitler, 
But Spencer Pulley is definitely not the option for the future. He's probably going to start the first 10 games, first 11 games, first 12 games. Then they'll probably start to move somebody in there because Spencer Pulley is not the proven center. Now, we don't know about John Jalapio because he could be resigned in June. Dave Gettleman likes him. But his production is not really balanced with Dave Gettleman's favoritism. Dave Gettleman likes him a lot. We know this. But last year, he had trouble against the bull rush, much like Spencer Pulley does. Run blocking, other stuff. Again, he was probably one of the worst centers in the league in a reformed offensive line. And you could make the argument that Will Hernandez regressed because of his play and Nate Solder's regression in that case. Now, going back to the first point before I go on to my next draft pick, Lemieux's not going to start the season in my opinion. You'll see him late in the season probably at best because of well, you're probably going to need to put somebody in at right guard for a little bit or center. Pending injury, he will start. But right now, it's just a special teams thing. It's all about the future, and they're not so focused about starting Lemieux week one. And to be honest, if you want a good guard out of Lemieux, I don't necessarily say, you know, you don't have to rush his development. Next pick, Cam Brown, linebacker, Penn State, 183rd overall. He's probably going to be more of a special teams impact unless he makes some sort of a great big boom in that linebacker room. It's crowded. It's crowded in there. Blake Martinez, that's the inside. Lorenzo Carter on the outside. Fackrell on the outside. Ziminus on the outside. Golden, presuming he does not get signed by July 22nd. And others like Dominique Ross and Dana Levine. You know, those are going to be competing linebackers and... The worst case scenario, he ends up on the practice squad, in my opinion. But the Giants are doing a rotational system when it comes to linebackers and pass rushers. But he would probably be more off the ball covering. Because that's what he did at Penn State. And wasn't much of a sack guy because he played off the ball. Now, he does know Sean Spencer, but he's not playing defensive line. He's playing linebacker. So, Brett Bielma and Chris Scherer are going to be... I think it's Chris Scherer, the linebacker coach from Tennessee, I think. They're going to be controlling him, not Sean Spencer. So you'll have Brett Bielma and Chris Scherer. Now, then again, Darius Slayton was a late draft pick, and he had a major impact in 2020 and on Daniel Jones' development. But if you look at it, yeah, he was going to get his reps, but that was more because of injury. And also, if you take a look at the last two, three years, really, the Giants have not had a solid three wide receiver. Now, they... Have one for the future. It looks like it could be Slayton, but we have to see yet this season. But going back to the Brown thing, it's a crowded linebacker room, and he's probably going to be on special teams to start if he has what the coaches expect him to have and maybe a decent preseason for a six-round pick. That's what I have to say on Cam Brown. Now we dip into the seventh round, 218th overall, Carter Coughlin. Now this is a prospect who lacks play strength. His stats aren't too bad for a 7th round pick, but the tape and scouting do come into play. Many Giants fans are actually eager to what he can do on the field because of his stats, but got backed up a little bit and was selected in the 7th round. Now, much like Cam Brown, he's going to be a linebacker, not defensive end. Cam Brown, obviously, he's a linebacker off the ball, but Coughlin was a defensive and outside linebacker at Minnesota. Now, his impact is most likely going to start on special teams or possibly even the practice squad this season. Now, as I stated earlier, the Giants are filled at linebacker. 
but the DE position is open a little bit. More open than the linebacker position, but because it's probably a 3-4 defense and a mix of that, he's probably going to be a linebacker. Now, as I said, impact, special teams most likely, and depending on his development, he could go into a rotational defensive player at linebacker. So we'll see with his development come training camp or possibly the preseason. 238th overall, 7th round, TJ Brunson, linebacker, South Carolina. Now, my prediction, I don't know. I don't know what his production is going to be like when it comes to training camp, when it comes to regular season at most, or the preseason. He could end up on the practice squad, most likely, my prediction, if the Giants roster is not too crowded. Again, they have a crowded inside linebacker and outside linebacker, but if Brunson does make enough of a spark, he could start out on special teams, and if he doesn't make enough of a spark, they probably won't cut him. They will probably just put him on the practice squad like they did Chris Slayton and George Safo and Jay. But, as I said, linebacker room is crowded. Dominique Ross, Blake Martinez, David Mayo, Ryan Connolly, Josiah Tawafa, Devontae Downs, all those guys are going to be competing at linebacker. Obviously, Blake Martinez will probably be the starter day one unless of an injury. Now, Brunson has a couple of weaknesses, taking a lot of steps to get speed and difficulty working off of blocks, especially in the run game. Unless Brunson tremendously does well in camp, you will probably not see him as a starter or possibly even as a special team reserve but that's on the table and so is the practice squad so that's what I got on TJ Brunson I have a feeling he's gonna start on the practice squad at best special teams reserve 247 overall Chris Williamson the defensive back from Minnesota a lot of Minnesota picks for the Giants two in the seventh round no less nobody's saying Williamson will start out of the gate but he will be worthy of competition in my opinion Joe Judge has expressed interest in Williams' competition being expandable at safety and cornerback. There is a spot or two to fill at safety because if Julian Love moves down, you'll most likely see that open spot because right now you have, let's just say Julian Love moves down. You got Xavier McKinney, you got Jabril Peppers. Nate Ebner is not a lock on the roster in my opinion. Yeah, he's special teams, he's a Michael Thomas, but he also has to play good in the preseason. And camp. And there's also a spot to fill as a strong safety. Now, I don't know which safety position he will probably play. If it's free safety or strong safety, there is a spot to fill either way. If Love moves down or not. Because let's just say you have Love at free safety. McKinney at free safety. Peppers at strong safety. Ebner has to fit in one of them. And he's going to be competing with Chris Williamson. Now... You also have Rashawn Golden, Jaquarius Andrews, Sean Chandler, Drayvon Askew-Henry. However, at corner, he'd have to fight uphill battle probably more with Sam Beal, Corey Ballantyne, Grant Haley, Malcolm Elmore, and Christian Angulo. The last two undrafted free agents. Now, he would probably get more of a special teams role due to his speed and his versatility. We know that the Giants like versatility, especially Dave Gettleman. Especially Joe Judge, again, has expressed playing to the strengths, not to the weaknesses of players. If he's not a secondary reserve candidate, he's probably going to go land on the practice squad. But I think that, put aside Carter Coughlin, he could give the other 
secondary members, especially the ones that are more competitive and need a roster spot, he could give them a run for their money. And we'll see coming up in the preseason. But right now, it's just a view. They haven't even gotten on the field yet. My prediction, special team reserve. Then, if he doesn't even do that, practice squad candidate. Next pick, mystery relevant, Tay Crowder. Linebacker, Georgia, 255th overall. Now, Crowder, to note, still transitioning to linebacker after spending some of his time at running back. Some of those offense, defense, defense, offense transition can be difficult and outsiders realize. Many coaches try to change defensive linemen to offensive linemen because the talent has really decreased in the last couple of years. I know Mike Munchak is pretty good or at least known for changing defensive linemen into offensive linemen. Examples are Brian Mahalik and Alejandro Villanueva on that one. But many coaches have tried that. And unfortunately, the experiment fails, and that player ends up being cut. Villanueva is lucky that he plays good. He's the starting left tackle for the Pittsburgh Steelers, while Brian Mahalik was cut, and he hasn't been on a roster since the preseason of 2019. Started at right tackle for the Giants against the Patriots in the final preseason game, gave up like one or two sacks, and got some holding penalties as well. That's why he's not on a roster. Now, some of those experiments fail, obviously Mahalik being one of them. Crowder will have to be a project for the Giants if he's still adjusting to linebacker and NFL at the same time. So he's going to need some time to space out both of that stuff or possibly do it in the same time. The practice squad is looking good for him, in my opinion. Gives him time to develop, gives him time to transition, still works with the coaches, still gets time to develop. But if he does make the roster... His versatility and speed could be used on special teams, something Dave Gettleman always looks forward to. Running back, linebacker, yeah, he needs to make the transition, but again, versatility, that's what is needed when it comes to special teams, especially speed, and especially if you're being used on a roster and you plan to be there long term. Now, I don't know what the Giants plan to do with him long term. They probably don't even know that yet, so we'll see what happens. I think he's going on the practice squad. My prediction is... Best case scenario, he's used on special teams to start and slowly, very slowly, like week 15 on or something, he gets some time on the field. So that will wrap it up for this podcast episode, podcast episode 16. Can't believe we're already at 16 episodes already starting in late April. April 17th was the date that we first premiered and then we got downloads and stuff. Thank you guys for supporting. I will let you know on Twitter and Instagram if I will do a pre-recorded one for Tuesday as I said I'm going away I will be coming up with some new YouTube content I will leak that through Twitter but I'll let you guys know if I'll be doing a pre-recorded podcast come Tuesday as I said I'll be away Thursday we'll have a podcast fresh and new remember podcasts available on Spotify Podbean YouTube Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts Follow our social media pages at Bleeding Big Blue Podcast. Thank you guys for all the support. Reaching 500 followers almost. Hopefully you reach that tonight on Twitter. Go give us a follow if you haven't already subscribed to our YouTube channel. Thank you guys so much and have a good night.